0: Make sure history never forgets, the name. Sci-Fi malady. up. out. We're twins. Ah, here you go, here I am, eat your fries, eat them. Here's you. Oh jeez, and you got the stink lines and everything. Sci-Fi malady, symptom 256. X-Files, Eve, enter creepy twins.
1: welcome back sickies to the final episode of truth is out there august and um i think i've kind of basically redeemed myself here i've chosen a good topic and there has not been a single episode that we've uh despised so i i think that um i've regained a little bit of credibility you know and i guess i came to the conclusion that It can't all be bad, right? We can't just
0: knock everything. We have to find the good stuff. You know? So, that's where we are. It has to be a balance between stuff we love and hate. If it's all us saying everything is great, that's no good. If it's, you know, it stinks, it stinks, it stinks every week, that's no good either.
1: But I like being Jay Sherman.
2: (laughs) Uh, I will give you some
3: credit. You chose a good thing to watch, but
2: you're still not completely off the hook.
1: Oh, oh, guess I need a few more months of goodness. You know, I think next month will be okay. I'll, I, I won't say it yet, but I think next month will be a mixed bag enough to help. So, But with that having been said, let's dive into today's episode, Eve. Which is the I believe it's the thirteenth episode of season one. It turns out we're going to be doing this the season eleven. I guess the eleven. Thank you. It's gonna. We're going to be covering each the best of each season. I just got a feeling because we've only stuck with season one. But here's what we in this
3: episode. It's um, it's a bit interesting in
1: that um you know it starts off with a girl who gets noticed she's in Connecticut and she gets noticed by some joggers who ask what's wrong and she said oh my daddy said he needed a minute and then they find him with puncture wounds in the neck excuse me puncture wounds in the neck and drained of blood and then at the same so Mulder goes and visits these girls because he thinks it's Aliens extingu- exsanguination of cow cattle. It's like that, but humans. Now they're doing it to humans. So he visits the girl and she says that she doesn't remember anything, has a time lapse, and sees red lightning in the men from the clouds come to get dead. So Mulder is convinced. At the same time, he finds out that there's a girl in Marin County, California that exactly the same day and time had the same exact story. So they fly over to there and find out that the girl looks exactly the same as the girl in Connecticut. By the way, the girl in Connecticut's named Tina, and the girl in California is named Cindy. And these girls are very smart, and their explanations are almost too rehearsed, to the point of how can you believe it? Well, it turns out that this has nothing to do with aliens that Mulder and Scully um, find out that these girls were created through someone named Dr. Sally Kendrick, who was a fertility doctor. And then through finding out from Deep Throat that this was part of a project called the Litchfield Experiment, which was a Cold War super soldier program designed to create advanced humans. And oh. men were called Adams, and the girls were called
3: Eve. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I thought someone was chiming
1: in. No, I was just going to say, it's always the Cold War. Always the Cold War. Well, this this did come out right after the Cold War. So, you know, it. Y- you could still ride that coattail, considering when it came out. So, what wound up happening is these uh girls it turns out are they go and they find eve number eight i believe it was who was um eve six actually who is in a mental hospital and who looks exactly like sally kendrick and they find out that the super soldiers have chromosomes that makes them extra aggressive which is why eve six is there and then also they come a little crazy and crazy and then they come to find out that Eve 7 and 8 are on the loose. Well, then trying to get Tina and Cindy, they discovered that they're, they were kidnapped, and they were kidnapped and taken to a motel room by Eve 8. 7. Uh, Eve 7, excuse me, Eve 7. Gets a little it confusing up- here, 7, 8. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Eve seven is Sally Kendrick, who said that I created you using my chromosomes and trying to fix up the mistakes of the Litchfield experiment. The girls don't want to be part of her little family, so they poison her. Uh, Mulder and Scully arrive at the scene, find the girls, find the dead body, and decide to take them into, the girls into state custody. The girls try to poison Mulder and Scully. He gets wise because they order some drinks at a rest rest stop and he forgets his keys on a table goes back to get the keys and sees the residue from the poison prevents it and the girls do manage to get away got lucky though or yeah but then Mulder tricks them and catches them in the long run and they get sent back to the hospital where eve seven is or and so you have the girls are now declared eve nine and eve ten and then Eve 7, or excuse me, Eve 8, who was on the loose, <laughs> walks in dressed as Sally Kendrick. And also, when asked early in the motel how the girls knew about each other, they respond to Eve 7, we just knew. And so essentially you have Eve, all the Eves in the mental hospital now, and it ends with the girls saying in unison, when, when Evate walks in and says, how'd you know I'm coming for you? Their answer was, we just knew. Are they psychic? Are they not psychic? I don't know. But you're right, Thomas, it does get a little confusing. But it was a good episode. I wish I could say the same for the trivia. The trivia, I'll just go through a few of these because they're just so boring. Um, they tried to find two twins and actors and LA but there were some child labor concerns so they went to Vancouver uh okay um the characters of Tina and Cindy were named after the writers uh after the wives of the writers um okay uh the footage shown on the television that uh Tina was watching excuse me um um Cindy was watching was Eek the cat. I thought that was fun. Um The band Eve 6 got their name from that, from Eve number 6. Um And at one point they thought of using digital effects to create the twins. You know what the re- and that's all I'm going to give you because the rest
0: of the facts are not fun, they're just boring. So I do have one of my Scott tie-in fun facts. Oh, yeah, go for it. I knew that I recognized the voice of Deep Throat and the actor Jerry Harden from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when I couldn't figure it out, I just started racking my brain like I always do. Where in Star Trek have I seen him? <laughs> always Star Trek. It's the always Star is Trek. That in, that in Star Trek The Next Generation, season one, I believe it's episode 16, when the bow breaks, he plays Radu who is the leader of what is basically the lost city of Atlantis in space, the lost planet of Aldea. And they kidnap the children because they can't have children anymore because they burned away their ozone layer back when that was a big thing. Uh, That we were concerned about that that was going to be our big problem in the the future. Oh, were we so wrong? Um, And he also plays Mark Twain. In season, uh, in the season six episode of oh, Arrow, Data's head. Yes. And now that I know that, every time he's on stage, I hear elements of his Mark Twain. Nice. Hmm.
2: So there's Don't my Star Trek they. tie-in to this episode. There's your Star Trek tie-in. Always is one. Okay.
1: So, um. Uh, let's do. We haven't really done many rips and picks this month. So let's do rips and picks of this episode. And then we'll go into the question topic that has been really inspired by this show. So let's do rips and picks. And
3: I'll start off with what I want to be a rip. But
1: I'm just going to hypocritically not allow it to be a rip. When the girls, Tina and Cindy, are asked, how did you know what to do or say they just knew it seems like such a convenience that it should be terrible and i know that if this were a modern writer i would not cut them slack
3: yeah i agree with you. But, there should
0: be no slack cut for this
1: but at the same time I allow it to go because the rest of the story works. The to... difference being is that unlike here, where it's one ridiculous convenience, most people take a page from J.J. Abrams and just allow multiple, multiple uh, conveniences to pile onto each other. it's it, you know a, a great example is um. 2008 star trek kirk just happens to land on the planet that scotty's on and the planet i'm sorry he just happens to land on a planet that Spock crash landed on and they spock just happens to be in the cave that kirk just happens to get chased into and spock just happens to know that a f- torch will scare the monster away and they just happen to know scotty's there it just compounds and that's the difference. It'd be one thing if Kirk landed there and Spock happened to be there, and that would be the end of it. It wouldn't happen again. Well, But they I, just I, kept compounding it. And so because it, it is just the one thing, it's a partial rip. I would disagree, though.
2: I okay, dis- go on. I would disagree only because it's not just so much of a eh, because we wrote ourselves into a corner. It's more of a, well, these two girls are creepy. They're, p- they're almost psychically linked and they're functioning in a way.
1: So it's I not. S- it's it's not. They're, a, they're more I, advanced.
2: Well, again, it's part of the story and less part of a, well, we wrote ourselves into a corner. We have to find a way out.
0: I think if it was written today, there would be some ham-fisted technobabble about quantum entanglement because they were created or um, from a fertility clinic and that that there was some type of something related to quantum entanglement, something, 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 blah, 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 quantum, um, that would allow them to share thoughts. And that's almost as bad because it's BS science, and it's bad when you throw in BS science that you don't fully understand either and try to pass it off as good science. I right. have been thinking a lot in the last you know, year or so, if TV today and movies today really are worse, and the quality of writing overall is poorer than it once was, or that the enhanced communication abilities that we have and the fact that we can see these movies 50 times if we want to easily, or TV shows, have allowed us to simply rip these things to shreds so much easier. Uh, back in a- the day, you would have seen this episode once, and then you would have had to wait for summer reruns to come around to catch it again. Or syndication. True. And it might be years before you saw that episode again. And you couldn't just go out and buy full seasons on VHS. Maybe you taped it on VHS, uh, but you know it wasn't like it. You know you're getting there, I guess, with full seasons on DVDs. But where it is now, you can just watch whatever you want to watch on demand, um, pretty much. And it, the 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 ability to watch these things so many times and to nitpick away and become familiar with where the story breaks down. If you wouldn't have caught it on the first time through, and if it wasn't jarring on the first time through, then it's probably not... I'm thinking we should be doing the litmus test of, did I enjoy my hour of television? Or did I enjoy my two hours at the theater? And if I was told an enjoyable story that kept me interested, and I, I felt that there was value in it at the end, and I was entertained... That's probably more important than if it had too many contrivances or conveniences within, within the hour.
1: Well, that's an, th- you know, that's an interesting question, and I've asked that myself. And I've come to the conclusion that it's, it's both. Yeah, we tend to rip things apart more now because multiple rewatches, and while well, we're all trying to one-up each other to get that golden ticket of notoriety, but what makes it easier is the fact that well the writers do suck um was there sucky writing back then yeah but here's the problem it didn't make it syndicated because there was much more competition to get on air now all you have to do is score a netflix deal they'll make whatever garbage you can um i don't know if that's true anymore i i think well no scott i'm gonna say it because streaming and youtube have made have made more content available youtube more content to be more content to be made is available okay whereas back in the day you had much more limited air air time because you had this many channels and this many hours of the day You have to be more selective. Netflix? They could pile on all the crap because it's there. It stays there. It's not Uh, going. to No, no, no. You're not interrupting me yet. (laughs) So, Netflix can make a product that they think is going to make money but turns out to be subpar because it's going to show up and there's no time slot there's no limited hours they can just put it there and so i think when you're trying to win the streaming war you're playing the same game that the soviet union did with making tanks throw everything at wall and see what sticks put cannon on car call it tank you know thomas i think you wanted to
2: jump in i'll let yeah, you yeah go ahead first. thomas now i'm done now i'm done yeah okay i i netflix is a great example they're cutting back on this crap they, have now all they re- are yes because it's not
3: profitable it it's um not
2: profitable to just throw everything out there i mean just think of it this way oh youtube there's a million bad things yeah and most of those don't get big
1: well, and the, you know what, though, your point is defending my point that they've had to scale back because they realize the mass amounts of content is leading to bad writing.
0: Well, I, think what well it's, it, I don't think it has anything to do with bad writing. I think it has to do with economics. I, I think it comes down to the most important expense that the most important thing for any of these streaming networks at this point is original content. All the other networks mm-hmm. got wise and you know NBC said we're not going to let Netflix make money off the office. We're going to create our own app and we're going to get the money for rerunning that. And and yeah. Disney did the same thing with Disney Plus, etc. They all the only thing now that's going to matter is what your original <laughs> controlled content is. And so the most important thing for any streaming network in the end is their production budget. And that is limited. And they do not have the ability to just keep throwing Money at bad productions at this point. So, I mean, yeah, now, yeah, but at one point, most of what was going on on Netflix wasn't about originals and, and Hulu and stuff. It allowed more stuff to get greenlit. You got some more films to be made. But we look at things like that Bruce Willis, um, Blood General film that was made. That actually wasn't originally for Netflix. Somebody else made that. It was floating around, and Netflix decided to pick up the distribution rights on the cheap and see if they could make some money on it. Ultimately, I think this is going to end up sharpening the. the you're you're going to see a sharpening and a whittling. And what's going on is, is the streaming networks are going to be like the, the TV networks of the past. And yeah, there was only three of them at one point in time. So, to some extent, you're correct. I don't know about the other extent, though, because the stakes are so high that they can't miss on this anymore. If HBO misses on House of the Dragon right now, that's a problem. If Netflix misses on the next big thing, it goes to green light like Stranger Things. You know, that that is... You, you can... That, that's massive. I sure. get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But.
1: Sure, but here's the thing, though. Stranger Things is, in general, better written. Then say something from the CW, and you're right that being able to pick it apart means we're more critical of things. You're absolutely right, Scott. We're back to the original but I question, think, and I, but, but no, no, I'm trying to I'm trying to wheel it back in that because of the limitations, there were more there there was better quality writing and setup. Heck, look at Tremors. There was good quality setup in those films. At least in the first film, that is, excuse me. The first film. Yeah. There was setup and payoff as ridiculous as some of it was.
0: I guess I'll say, is it any different, I'll leave it at this, is it any different today with the excessive stuff on, on the multiple streaming networks than straight to, straight to VHS movies?
1: Uh, no. They're they're very similar. That's the problem. Yeah. So does Whereas it really this, make writing
0: well, any better or worse today? Because the the bad stuff that's going um, to freebie as an original would have been a straight yes. To I would say
1: yes day. because I would say yes because the things that were direct to video were always considered garbage. Now it's become standard.
0: Ah. Uh, mm. Well, I think we're not talking about the X Files anymore. Anyway. No. Now now no, we're, we're on not. Something. So
1: now, we're, well, that's okay. That that that, that, uh, that rabbit trailed. But um, the the ultimate point is: is it a contrivance? Yeah, and and any other day of the week, I probably would just call it a cheap convenience. But the reason I allow it is because it is the cheap convenience okay. versus the compounded cheap conveniences which you see very commonly used today because i can't be bothered to think my way through the story so i'm just going to make things up as i go okay so. uh well if you have a cheap rip
2: i have a cheap whip then okay, go ahead ah yes we're going to poison the p- out the fbi agents with the fluorescent think green yep. digitalges Wait a minute. Digitalis is clear. And why
1: are we using fluorescent green poison? Anyone? And why are we poisoning them? Where are we going to go? <laughs> oh, they're super soldiers. Never mind. This is
0: more yes. just my, my mind wandering here. Um, whatever happened to the trucker who jumped out of his cab with a shotgun at federal agents <laughs> who were. Um, uh. I'm thinking that person had to serve some time for that, right?
1: uh maybe but the story wasn't about him so <laughs> now you're just yeah you're just kind of going on all right well now that we sorted that up can we go back to that trucker
0: <laughs> oh, and, and also did that guy give up a little too easy molder is Mulder appears to be kidnapping two little girls and he, as soon as he says uh, fbi and flashes a badge that from a distance at night in the truck stop I don't know if I believe that right away that that guy's FBI. What is the FBI doing chasing after two little girls? Um, didn't they say I can see how they're on America's 100 most wanted list or something? I am I don't know, man. Maybe that guy should have been a little more for, forceful with Mulder. Just my mind well, wandering on that scene. Not a bad scene, a fun right. scene. But I just, I'm thinking, maybe <laughs> you're gonna play the hero just and then musings. you're like, ah, you know what? I gave my best half-assed effort at being the hero here. I'm going to get back up into my sleeper here.
1: <laughs> well, he had a woman in there, so.
2: <laughs> That's even uh, more we, creepy. Though, so, could have yeah. been his wife. We could have, could be that. That Yeah, could have
1: been. Or a lot, was. Uh. Old. Absolutely could have been. Well, that's where I was going. But um (laughs) I just didn't want to say it. We said it for you. You're welcome. Thank thank you. Um count on me to go to the gutter. (laughs) That well, that's what you're here for, right? Um But at the same time it was interesting how they had the multiple E's, this is a pick, and how they're all meeting together and they're actually trying to improve upon one another. Um, and I especially like the ending where it leaves off. It's a very Twilight Zone ending where it leaves off with them all together, and what happens next? Don't know, but then again, we don't really need to know.
0: No, it isn't really um, a hanging thread that we need to come back to, like they kind of did with, um, with the guy last week in, uh, in Squeeze, where they came back to him at the end of Season 1, but
1: Yeah, it's so I think that was again a very like twilight zone ending that lets you know that case isn't closed, but it is for us. I'm I'm gonna rip Mulder and Scully here.
0: Um Why are we eating or drinking anything at this point in the presence of these two little girls? Mulder and Scully Jess saw their parents die in ways that pretty much is poison. Jess saw the caretaker die in a way that looks a lot like poison. Anyone who's around these two little girls seems to die. I'm not eating or drinking anything in their presence that has been out of my sight or that I haven't seen them ingest first. Yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to be a genius profiler here. Like in other episodes, he will pick up on stuff like that. I guess here it's, you know, you're, you're disarmed by creepy twin kids who appear to be killing people in contact with them.
1: <sighs> I, I guess he was disarmed by kids. Which could I, happen.
3: I guess, but the problem being I, I don't really get it, because yeah, it, you wouldn't
2: suspect the kids of, I mean, this is a really high-level, psychopathic-level thing, where you're like, uh, you wouldn't Most people would not expect kids to do it.
0: I don't know. If people are dying... Look, TV has taught me, and movies, and our old (laughs) friend Corey's Riffs Games, that if people are dying, and there are creepy (laughs) kids around, it is the fault of the creepy kids.
1: Mostly Corey's games, I'm guessing. (laughs) Every time in Corey's game, if there's a creepy kid, they're the culprit. Kill them. You don't need to do any investigation. They are the culprit. Just assume.
0: Star Trek did that, and the children shall lead. The kids all kill their parents under the influence of uh, of some creepy creature that's played by the writer's friend, a lawyer, who's a horrible actor, and looks like a giant fat man in a muumuu. But, um, I digress. <laughs> um,
1: I
3: mean, you know, is that the guy who was sitting
0: on?
1: Was that the emperor sitting on a throne that was on a table?
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I love that episode. That's that's Lord Garth. Shoot! I just
3: woke my baby up. I bet. (laughs) Good job. Whoops. Oh, you really did, huh?
0: I don't hear crying, so maybe I'm okay.
2: Okay, keep going.
0: No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm derailed. I'm, I'm done with rips. Okay, Um, I think
1: a uh, pick for me is how they started off as an alien, but then they have to segue and find out that nope, that was just a hook. You know, continuing that, it's not always about aliens, unless you're Georgios Sucleos, in which case I'm not saying it's aliens, but no, 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 it's always aliens. Then yeah, in that case.
0: I'm not saying Eve 9 and 10 are aliens, but it could be extraterrestrials. Where did they get the DNA? You have to ask yourself, if these little girls are coming around mutilated cattle, and aliens mutilate cattle, then maybe these twins are aliens.
3: I think you have to ask the question and go where the answer leads. So, any more rips and picks before I get to the big theme question that this episode inspired? On to the themes.
1: Alright. There's only one real question, because I assume this is going to be a longer one. And that is, so in this episode we see that the government was experimenting to create a super soldier. which you know i know we all think of captain america but at the same time doesn't seem unfathomable that we would at the very least try to do some form of eugenics i mean that's what sally kendrick lost her job for for practicing some kind of eugenics namely to improve the the version upgrade the version of eves
2: well i mean if we're saying eugenics technically speaking
1: well okay play the genetic lottery try to pull i was about to say
2: the nazis used the uh america as their defense because of eugenics so technically speaking already did eugenics they, they did try to
1: i mean they the nazis did try to have breeding farms where they took certain stocks of boys and girls and blinked them up. That's that is true. That was a thing. And so it stands to reason that and, whether and, scientific- the, emperor,
0: and the emperor bred um, his clone soldiers from um, Jango Fett. So I had to do that because now we've hit the sci-fi melody trifecta. <laughs> Star Trek, Star Wars and Nazis. Although he
1: never actually did that. But OK. <laughs> anyway um although he never actually did that never actually did that never actually did that
0: never, did that. never ever, i think he's ruck here uh you might actually be like uh rage what are you talking about i know rage i get it i forget the sequels are actually a thing too still canon right now unfortunately but the emperor did clone himself Uh, As you can see in episode 9, Rise of Skywalker, he actually has clones of himself in tubes. Snoke was actually a quote-unquote clone that looked absolutely nothing like the Emperor. And y'all know what? Kathleen Kennedy, f*** you. That's all sickies.
3: Thank
1: you. So, oh, you're talking about episode 2. I thought you meant clones of himself. Never mind. Um, So... It stands to reason that the government, and I'm not saying it did happen, but it's not unfathomable that they would do something to try to create a superior human to win in the Cold War. And so the question is, whether it's experimenting on humans or another technology, when does experimentation for the purpose of winning or national defense where's the limit where's the line of unethical because as we saw in this episode um they had to cut the program because they had extra chromosomes which made them extra strong fast and smart but also very aggressive and psychotic it's almost like if you took con and added an extra layer of psycho um, So, where's the limit? Where's the line? When does national defense or we're going to win become um, not the justification anymore for doing? And and it could be, it doesn't have to be just experimentation on people, it could be for a tech piece of technology.
0: Oh man, this is a complicated question because science fiction seems to universally tell me that a superior human will breed superior ambition and overall just a, a sense of entitlement that the, that the non-genetically altered human beings um, are a subspecies and, and, and less than, than they are. And to an extent, that, that's correct. Um, it talks less about the fact that the non-genetically modified human beings would live in fear of the modified human beings enslaving them. Um, but I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that would necessarily flow from there. Could it possibly be that a ge- that a genetically modified superhuman would um somehow come with some um enhanced wisdom and some enhanced empathy? Could you create your genetically modified? Well, you really wouldn't want your genetically modified super soldier to have enhanced empathy. Um, but <laughs> it might be counterproductive. <laughs> being a killing machine on the battlefield Um, (coughs) just a little bit but to me this is one of those weapons that you want to put into all the Geneva Conventions that, that shall not be made by anybody because where it becomes unethical is the first step taken to do it and it's inherent in the in the end goal because the end goal is to create a being to serve a fixed purpose that they don't have a choice in the matter of, which is to be a killing machine. Um, now
1: you're specifically talking about humans, not any, a piece of technology.
0: I am talking about human beings. If you're genetically okay. altering humans to okay. become super soldiers, or to become super beings, um, you're not creating a human being at this point with free will. You're not creating a human being that is that is there to exist. You are creating a government slave to fill whatever role that you want it to. And you're doing that with a human life. And so the very end uh, of the of the project makes it unethical from the start. Mm. Where the line blurs, though, is. Your enemy has now made super soldiers. And if you don't come up with your own super soldiers to fight them, your enemy is going to conquer you and commit atrocities to your own people. And then do you just lay down and die? Or do you attempt to create your own super soldiers while you're hopefully finding a way to, after they've served their purpose on the battlefield, um, maybe enhance their empathy so that you can walk some gray line about when the war's over, we'll have a rehabilitation and, uh, and get these soldiers back into society and try some more genetic modifications later to undo some of the, the hyper-aggression and strength and speed that we built into these soldiers to make them ultimate battle-winning well, machines.
2: See, I would disagree depending on certain aspects here. If, if you're just developing them as mindless, you know, Literally, just to go out there and kill with no actual thinking about it at all. Like in the movie Soldier? Right. Th- then you're creating actual, basically, robots. That's... no. Now, if you're just upgrading, basically, humans, like you're... I mean, DARPA's already doing research into this. Hey, what happens if you make the soldiers more resistant to just the common cold? which means he can fight more often and doesn't have to worry about blowing his nose. Now, are you going to say that is pushing it too far? I'm not. I mean, it's making a human more efficient. It's not changing who they are. So
0: I think if there's a level here. I think I was thinking more along the lines of what the episode did, but you are correct. What the episode did was basically from scratch from scratch these these atoms and eves to to fill a point um but yeah if you're talking about CRISPR modifications you can do with gene splicing to people who willingly enlist in the military it's a far more gray ethical line do they know what they're getting into um do they know the changes um is it undoable? And are they going into it with their eyes open? Um, And at that point, I mean, you're also giving those soldiers the best chance to survive the war on the battlefield. So, now we're talking about, you know, this is where I said, I'm not sure science fiction is right. Because you're you're giving these people a superior immune system, or you're giving them superior hand-eye coordination and reflexes. Um, It's like the steroid debate in baseball. You make it illegal because if if you make it legal, then you're you're telling people if you want to be a great baseball player, you've got to take the risk of dying earlier in life from steroid um, abuse. Um, Except
2: except that that's a sport versus war.
0: It is it is, and and ultimately these are the questions that I think a lot of our leaders today in the world aren't equipped to answer because they haven't had to answer them. Harry Truman. Eisenhower, Kennedy, Nixon even those those guys lived during periods of war or when the entire planet could go to war. And they knew that they had to make decisions about how to how to save 10 million lives and and sleep at night knowing that they made a decision that cost a million lives or a thousand lives or the freedom of some to save millions. And it's calculus that most of us can't can't do we don't have the moral certitude and, and the strength of character to make those calls most of our leaders today are not equipped to make those decisions
1: well i mean harry truman's the one who signed both signed off on both atom bombs so yep. um now this kind of reminds me of uh a timothy zahn book a series of books called the cobra trilogy where in the future, Earth is invaded by aliens. Earth colonizes a couple of planets, and they're, we're in turn invaded by some aliens. And in order to win the war, they create these super soldiers they call cobras. Um, they reinforce our their bones, they give them lightning-fast reflexes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And eventually, they win the war, everything's cool, but then when the soldiers come home the technology is still in them it can't be separated so what winds up happening is a couple of these cobras wind up killing people out of accident like in the case of the main character of the cobra trilogy um a, like a drunk driver nearly hits him and he jumps up and does an attack on the car and nearly kills the driver and a few other incidents happen where they decide what are we going to do with these people we can't just remove the tech from them it's it's either nano or it's part of them we can't do it without causing serious damage or death now in the in the book they wind up using them to spearhead colonization of other planets um which leads into a whole other story it's actually a very good series of books i recommend at Sickies. but this reminds me of that because in this case the soldiers signed up for it they knew what they were getting involved with and they're almost the victim in that the way they react as civilians it's not that they want to hurt them they just their reflexes are such that they're going to
0: i think i'm starting to revise my answer on this um if you're doing what was done in the X-Files episode that we watched, I think the answer is that it's immoral. If you're coming up with your researching technology to give your soldiers an advantage on the battlefield, and you're going to let them go into it with their eyes open, access to all the information, um, and it's a willing choice of people who enlist in the military to do or not do... Um, then I think we're probably starting to move into an area where you can find ways to say that this is acceptable. But I think I want to go one step further with it and say that there has to be people who don't look at this question in a term or don't care if it's morally right or wrong, but they look at what's necessary. And we don't want to make these excuses because we always talk about these people as if they're the bad guys. I'm willing to do what's necessary so you don't have to. But morality is a wonderful thing to cloak yourself in when there isn't an existential threat. When there is an existential threat to you or your family, you, you stop thinking about what's right and wrong in the moment. Um, you know, we talk a lot. Um, I, I know, Mark, you and I aren't huge fans of the Stand Your Ground Law or the Castle Law. But I think about it like this. I'm okay with the Castle Law. If I, was, if I was sitting in my, in my front yard and, and I had someone threatening my family, I'm not going to wait. That's a castle law. I have no problem e- with even it. Even if they're unarmed, and I see they're unarmed, and they come up to the house and they're, gonna, and they're threatening my family, I'm not waiting to see if I win the fist fight before I go get my gun. If they've made specific threats against my family, I'm probably That's shooting, and if I've got to go to jail for the rest of my life your- as a result, I don't care
1: especially on your property that falls under castle law i don't i don't i don't really have qualms about that
0: and it will extend your ground if i'm out if i'm out in public and you know someone's threatening my family or me and i feel that my life is in danger i don't think you know it's easy to say I, abstractly i need to see a gun before i use deadly force i'm not sure i have to i'm not sure i have to wait and it's one of those things i guess what i'm getting at is I'm pretty certain. Not pretty certain. I'm certain. I'd take the action. I would. And if I've got to go to jail because I needed to, it was a choice of someone else or or the survival of my my wife or my daughter, I know what the choice is going to be. And if I've got to reap those consequences, fine, because moral or immoral at the moment, it was the necessary action. And I I think you get to, there are things that go on in this country that we don't know about things the CIA does, things that the NSA does, even the FBI and and the super-secret intelligence agencies that probably exist that we don't even know about, that they're doing, that DARPA may be
3: doing. Um, And they're probably not moral. And it's probably a good thing that those agencies exist because ultimately it might be what's necessary um, to preserve the greater good for all of humanity. Morality is an interesting thing when you can afford it.
1: Okay, so that's your line. Alright, Scott, what about you, Thomas? Or, or have, you, have you satisfactorily stated your point?
3: Well, I, I think overall I stated it, but I do want to put one caveat in. Okay, go for it. The caveat is that with things like that, and America has a benefit here in some ways, that there has to be oversight. There has to be very
2: intense oversight on something like that. Because, yes, I'm okay with the military if they volunteer know what they're going into go for it and 100% it's not ch- creating new it's just improving I'm not so mad about mm-hmm. but I still think there must be oversight because of the simple fact it could so easily be used too wrongly or-, or go in a direction that's not supposed to go in Right. So i th- I think it has to have oversight from a non biased organization. Which eh, good luck on that. But
1: well, yeah, I was about. <laughs> well, we're talking high ideals here, so we can afford to say that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm
1: right now kind of high fluting you because I know that, that doesn't sure. exist. So sure, sure. Um. Yeah, that's true. You don't want you don't want to find out. Come to find out that. What was originally deigned to help a soldier not get sick as often is now being used to create a quote unquote master race. Oh, there's your next Nazi reference, I guess.
0: So, kicking them off on sci fi
1: melodies today. There we go. So, uh, but no, yeah, you want to make sure that's not your end game there because then it, you are crossing a line. Because, well, of course, if sci fi has taught you anything, Trying to do that usually backfires on you when said Master Race realizes they can afford to rise up against you and win.
2: Hey, uh, can it's someone say... Effect. Can someone say Enterprise? I need my
1: bingo. To- Enterprise. Uh, Thank you, bingo! I was, I was gonna try to make a con reference, but okay.
0: Well, okay. That was. Um, Do I need to? Does know, anyone need him? No, I'm. I'm. <laughs> no more references. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: I want to close up this this episode. It, actually, this month with a quick. What was your favorite episode of season one we covered? Which was your favorite episode this month? And let's just say we didn't cover your favorite episode. What was it? So um let, let's start amongst the ones we covered though what was your favorite and i can start with uh i'm gonna go ahead and start with um waterfall because the acting in it was superb and it really left you with a it was an episode where scully it was shoe on the other foot where Mulder was the not convinced person and it was a very Twilight Zone type ending of, well, was he really psychic or was he working with a killer? And again, it's the Twilight Zone mystery box used a good effect because we don't need to know for the story to work. I think you mean Beyond the Sea. Yes. Ah, thank you. Beyond the Sea. So I'm thinking of the intro. Beyond the Sea. Yeah. So that would be my favorite episode.
3: Okay, I'm going to
2: say my favorite episode was is Squeeze. All right, um, mainly just because it's a personal thing of how disturbing I
3: find it. You know, I think my
0: favorite episode that we covered is, is gonna be Deep Throat because that is my favorite character of season one, even over Mulder and Scully. Um, And it introduces that character and um, for that reason I think of the ones we've covered that's my favorite episode of season one. It It is not my favorite episode of season one
3: though. Okay. What is your favorite episode of season one? That
0: would be and it's a very close toss up between that and the finale of season one. But that would be EBE. And that is um, extraterrestrial biological entities, I believe, um, is the abbreviation. But that is where um, Deep Throat actually throws Mulder and Scully off. They're retrieving supposedly a crashed UFO, uh, and it's in the back of a, a semi-truck, and they're trying to get it across the, the nation because of uh, trying to get it to a testing lab. Uh, At one point, Deep Throat is, is giving Mulder the right information, but then he tries to throw Mulder off by giving him a doctored photograph. And Mulder calls him on it, and he doesn't try to deny it. And he says there are things that need to be kept secret still that the public can't know about. But then as he leaves, he tells him that a shark can't stop swimming. And Mulder eventually and Scully find their way out to the secret facility where supposedly the UFO is, uh, the alien is being held for study. And Mulder sneaks away into the security area and as security corners him right as he's about to get to the supposed room where the alien is, Deep Throat appears and sends everybody home and tells him, you know, I know you want to go through there, but it's already dead. Tells him something after Roswell, all the, all the, uh, governments of the world said if another uh, living alien crashes, it's that government's duty to exterminate it says he's had the experience of of doing that um then Mulder steps forward and there's nothing there and as they walk away he goes um you're awfully quiet mr Mulder." and he goes i'm trying to decide which lie to believe uh and, and it just mm, it takes you clever. further down the rabbit hole of the deep throat character is he Mulder's ally or is he not? Why is he sometimes feeding him good information? Why is sometimes he throwing him off the, tr- off the tracks? Uh, there is an episode in, in uh, season one where Mulder's about to get fired, and he's going to be fired, and Deep Throat countermands it, and he basically says, keep your enemies uh, close, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And you don't know if he's saving Mulder or if he's actually... Um, setting him up one day to really take him down, and he's trying to miss, he knows Mulder's going to figure it out in the end, so he's got to give him just enough information to be, you don't know this until the end of season one, and then you find out where he really is in the finale, but uh, I really love that episode, there's a lot of double-cross intrigue, um, you see the intelligence game, and you get a great recurring guest character, uh, really in his element in that episode.
2: That is a very good episode. I would actually agree with you. Uh, That's one of my favorites.
1: I'm going to have to make my way there, then. All right, sickies. Um, With that in mind, you can definitely tell us what you think about our our ethical question, any of the ethical questions we've had this month pertaining to the show, or or your favorite episode of The X-Files from Season 1. Before you do that, be sure you stop by our Discord page so you can chat it up with us. You could uh, look into Zodiac Task Force in the Casatorium. Hopefully there will be soon. Layla will be covering the episode about the haunted elevator on the Case of the Chills. But until then, you could listen to the other ones. In fact, just that the other, just last night I was having a dream about what was the woman who was found who was creeping out on the elevator and then found dead in the water tank in that hotel? Elisa Lamb.
0: Oh yeah, I, I know the one. What I, was her name? It was Elisa Lamb. Think of that person's name, but Emily Dreyer
1: or something like that?
0: It was Elisa Lamb. I, I like, had um, not really a
1: nightmare, but just a reoccurring thought about her on the elevator and doing weird stuff, playing the Korean death elevator game, I don't know. Anyway.
3: It was Elisa Lamb!
1: So, you could check that out. Check out, of course, Zodiac Task Force, our amazing audio drama there. Um, And, of course, Sci-Fi Malady, where you can contact, talk to us in the general feed there about your favorite episodes or what you think of our topics, or you could also do it
0: at What's